listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, this Friday afternoon. And since it's Friday, it only means the Agenda Cafe. And I'd like to welcome back to the studio our wonderful co-host, Karen Co. Karen, it's great to see you. Yes, great to be here as well, Noreen. How are you doing? I'm a little bit, to be honest, I'm actually a little bit emotional today. Um, so my son, who has been with uh, us back in Hong Kong for the last year as a photojournalist, is leaving today to move to New York to take his new job as a as a banker. <laughs> Big difference, right? Exactly. Yeah. So he's at the airport now. So shout out to Aiden. Good luck. I know you do great, and we love you, Aiden. We love you so much. Thanks for coming on the One Two Three Show before. It was it was the best interview I've ever done, except oh, yeah. for the one today also coming up. <laughs> So since I'm kind of emotional, it's, it's kind of appropriate because today we're going to be talking about feelings and emotions and we're talking about uh, mental health and youth, which is also appropriate since Aiden's quite young as well. Um, so, you know, we've, we've covered various mental health topics on the show and um, today's a, a good one to really focus on young people. Uh, so later this year, the, the charity Mind Hong Kong is hosting a Hong Kong Mental Health Conference. It's the second time they've done it. And the theme is Youth in Focus. And some of the stats that we know are that among, um, uh, the, when you look at the numbers, something like 75% of all mental health problems start before the age of 24. And also in Hong Kong, we see the youth suicide rate on the rise, which is a very disturbing thing. And over 53% of Hong Kong secondary school students show signs of depression. So it's definitely something that's in the community, but not really talked about that much. So today we're going to explore some of the mental health issues young people face and what can be done to help them. And we're on Facebook Live, which I always forget to mention. So if you go to uh, Noreen's page, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3, you'll be able to see and hear our guest today. So let me introduce our guests. We're joined by Charlotte Chan, who is uh, Cool Minds website project coordinator at Mind Hong Kong. And she's also a second year uh, dentistry student at Hong Kong U. We're also joined by Nicole Tan, who's an 11th grade student at Hong Kong International School, and Serena Lee, who is a, about to graduate uh, from Hong Kong U with a psychology major with a counselling minor. So, ladies, welcome to the program. It's great to have you all here. So before we get into the issues, maybe it would be good for, for you to tell our listeners, you know, your own story and what your interest in mental health is. So, Charlotte, do you want to start off with your story? Sure. So um, I grew up in Hong Kong. I went to school here um, all from kindergarten all the way to now in uni. Um, so I experienced some mental health difficulties during uh, my final year of high school and my first year of university, which led me to take a year off. And during that year off, um, I was I had lots of free time. I was walking down the streets in Causeway Bay one day and someone handed or I was yeah, I was handing out flyers for um Hands on Hong Kong and Mind Hong Kong, and it was World Suicide Prevention Day. Um, and uh, they had, I, I spoke to someone from Mind Hong Kong there and decided I wanted to use this year to really make a difference in this field. So I um, contacted the person, tried to ask what opportunities were available, and they told me that they were starting a new uh, joint initiative with Kelly Support Group called Cool Minds, which was for youth aged 14 to 24 in Hong Kong. And yeah, from then on, I've just been involved with the various projects that we have on offer so far and really looking forward to the Youth Summit, which will be the third day of the Hong Kong Mental Health Conference. That's great. Yeah. Okay, so um, Nicole, what about you? How, how, do you, how did your involvement come about? Mm. 
So when I was younger, I actually moved around a lot. I lived in Shanghai, Taipei, and now Hong Kong. And so I went to a lot of different schools. And everywhere I went, I made friends that eventually opened up to me about their issues with their mental health. And as I grew older, I kind of realized that this wasn't just one isolated incident in one school in like one city. This was a problem across schools all across the world. And so as I entered high school, that realization kind of combined with the pressures from like academics and college made me want to kind of dive deeper into mental health and like advocacy. And so I reached out to MindHK and Charlotte sometime last year. And that's how I kind of found out about the summit and why I'm a youth ambassador now. Oh, great. And Serena, what about you? So I'm a very, very typical Hong Kong girl with helicopter and tiger parents, of course. <laughs> um, so yeah, my I didn't really start off with psychology. Actually, my parents wanted me to do law, but I went to a law firm, of course, and I wanted to experience what it's like. And I hated it. I absolutely detested the entire experience because it was so bored for and for to me. So I was like, okay, I don't like law. What else can I do that involves people and and allows me to interact with other people? And so okay. I'll try psychology. My parents were surprisingly very supportive of, of it, so that's how I started my major. Um, I feel like in Hong Kong, because it's super competitive, especially the bannings of the school, they just released the secondary school placements a few days ago, and you can tell that the bannings of the school ban one to three. They really, it really means a lot to the person's own identity and how they view themselves. So um, there's been a saying in Hong Kong where you have to win starting from the starting line. And it starts from like birth, and you have to start having tutorial classes and all that, or else you will fall behind other people. So I feel like, as a part of Mind Hong Kong, I will be able to contribute, listen to some international speakers, and hopefully be able to bring that to Hong Kong context to for our teenagers. Yeah, where do you think that uh, pressure comes from, uh, Serena? Do you think it comes from parents or or other students, from teachers? Where does it come from? I think yeah, definitely parents is like a first choice because I believe every parent wants the best for their children. So for them to start from a very young age, for from the, even from infancy, and when their baby's still in the mum's tummy, they would play music, try to like play ABCs, and try to like give them as much attention as possible. And especially since in Hong Kong, we don't really have a lot of children. Maybe each family has one to two children, so they get all the attention as well as all the expectations from their parents. So in time, that creates a lot of pressure. And in comparison with other children as well, um, I feel like the atmosphere in school is very important. What I would be very very thankful of for my parents is that they put me in a um, very traditional private school where it's a double-edged sword on one hand it's his gives me a lot of opportunities uh, to build on what my interest but on the other hand because all the other children are also very elitist um, they are also performed very very well so it creates like a double standard a very um, difficult situation for us. And Serena, from what you experienced going through the local school system, what happens to those kids who, who can't live up to expectations or, or who can't perform? You know, what do they do? Just now I've mentioned like the very elitist kind of mindset, right? So on one hand, if you're from a family background which is more well-off, automatically you'll be able to be enrolled in, you'll be have, able to have all the best teachers, be have all the good tutorial classes, and so that builds on, it's like a vicious cycle, whereas if you come from a background which is not as fortunate or as privileged, then possibly you might not have that many resources or that great teachers or the school banding may automatically be lower compared to other people. So I feel like in order for that to be able to um, gain more from that, 
like uh, it's a very good thing that the government has been putting social workers in school to help the children regulate their emotions and to hopefully bring out the best in them. It's very nice that we see potential in all the students, and so I think that mentality really helps us. Mm. Um, Nicole, you said you you've seen um, kids in many different places uh, suffer from the same issues, whether it's the, the pressure and just the mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And what I mentioned earlier is like over 53% of secondary school students here are suffering from depression. That's, that's a pretty depressing number. I mean, from what you've seen, um, what are some of the, the issues and is there enough being done about it? Is there enough awareness? Yeah, so as a high school student, I think so I've been to several all international schools, and I think the biggest factors that I've seen across all of them is um, kind of like the social aspect, like the pressure from your peers, and then there's also academic pressure, and I think overall stigma and how students kind of perceive mental health. So I think with the social aspect, um, high schools are is a very formative time for a lot of people. They're exploring their identities, they're figuring out who they are, and I think that added with you know pressure to kind of fit in with your peers and also you know like to stand out as well i think there's quite a contradicting standard there you have to both conform and fit in but also be unique and special and so i think that makes it really difficult for a lot of uh you know teens and youth in general and then with the academic pressure like i talked about when you enter high school grades suddenly start to matter a lot i think because we're in international schools, there is also a higher standard because they're like, oh, you've been given so many resources, so many tutors, you have to excel. And so I think for a lot of students, that academic pressure kind of gets to them. And while college shouldn't be seen as like the ultimate goal, I think unfortunately, that is what a lot of students see it as. And I am also sometimes guilty to that mindset. So I think that is something that needs to be addressed. And overall in the school community, at least from my experiences, I've heard about mental health being joked a lot. I think lots of people don't treat it seriously and, you know, they use incorrect phrases or they kind of throw around like terminology that may not really fit the situation. And I think that just kind of contributes to the culture of undermining the importance of mental health in general. Why do you think people do that? Why would they make a joke about mental health? Is it because it's actually uncomfortable to talk about? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that there is a certain kind of culture, especially in Hong Kong, because we have a very traditional, you know, like Asian culture here where mental health is seen as something that's shameful and shouldn't be talked about. And I think that leads to a lot of youth, especially repressing their emotions. And I think joking about it is one way to kind of avoid it, make it a lighter topic. And I think in general, school administrations do do pretty well in addressing stress in the academic environment, but I do think there needs to um, be more policies that allow schools to go deeper into underlying mental health problems or illnesses. Where can young people go to if they have, you know, face these sort of anxiety or stress? Do they talk to school counsellors? Do they talk to each other? Or do they talk to their teachers or, or parents? Who, who, did, who do these young people turn to? I think most young people in general will turn to their peers because they feel like their peers understand them the best. They have close friends who are willing to listen to them. But it's important to understand that your peers may not always know what to do and that there are a lot of support systems in Hong Kong in place to help you. And I think organizations like Cool Minds releases a lot of resources and booklets that can help um, youth. And I think especially with the pandemic recently, that's become really helpful in 
teaching people how to kind of maintain their well-being. Yeah, mm-hmm. my friends and I used to say it's it's like the blind leading the blind, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're asking, yeah. but in a way, you you kind of then find um you, you know the, the the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, let's also bring uh, Shala back into the discussion. Also, tell us a little bit more about uh, Cool Minds and and this project that uh, this initiative that you're working on. So yeah, Cool Minds is a joint project between Mind Hong Kong and Kelly Support Group, and we. Um, joined hands together last year uh, to create a place where we could promote um, awareness, understanding, and support for youth mental health. Um, And we've done this by bringing in international best practice. We've partnered with some organizations in the UK and Australia, but we try to make sure that all of the information and material that we use is localized and adapted to the Hong Kong context, because we do realize a lot of mental health is um, interlinked with culture and the specific stressors that young people face in Hong Kong. So we did a lot of focus groups and surveys, and we found that the three um, major stressors that young people face in Hong Kong from that, and this has been reflected in other research as well. In 2018, um, the Hong Kong Playground Association did a survey on this, and um, they said that the three main stressors were academic pressures, um, peer pressure, and uncertainty about the future. So that's something that we've tried to address. And since last year, we've trained over 500 young people in mental health literacy. Um, We've trained 170 parents and 110 teachers and educators. And we're trying to create a whole school approach so that young people um, are not just taught about these things, but also the people around them are able to support them as well. Yeah, I was gonna say that that support must be really important because you, even though you may have um, a mental health issue, if the people around you don't really understand it, they can't really help you. Um, So, you know, how, how, do you think that from what from the teaching that you've done already has there been enough awareness or is there still some resistance to wanting to to address it head on I think it's been really helpful for the fact that we've been able to go into schools and provide this training for everybody because I think before um, you know you might feel singled out if you were just being told this one-on-one but the fact that everyone is learning about it it really helps people believe that mental health is a normal thing. Everyone has mental health and we all go through different periods of vulnerability and stress um, at different points of our lives. So the fact that we're all learning about it, we can support each other. um, And yeah, and I think there's also um, building off of what Serena and Nicole said about stresses in school. I think teachers themselves also face a lot of pressure because schools have to um, make like strike a balance between academic results, but also um, like well-being of children and it's like really difficult to prioritize all these demands and expectations from everybody so I think it's really great that we're able to uh, go there and, and show some support for teachers as well. Yeah well said well we'll continue with this uh, relevant point and also about uh, ways to smash the stigma I think part of the reason why people don't address or talk about their mental health is because of the stigma precisely you know worried about being judged or worried about appearing vulnerable uh, we'll return to this a very interesting chat uh, with three young wise lady um, and Karen um, <laughs> um, <laughs> very wise uh, 
Welcome back to the 123 Show with the Agenda Cafe on this Friday afternoon. We've got a big topic uh, this afternoon and we'd love for you to join us on the Facebook Live, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. And we're talking about uh, mental health and young people. And in the studio with us, we've got Nicole Tan, who's a secondary school student at the uh, HKIS, Hong Kong International School, and also Serena Lee, who is a fourth year student studying psychology at the University of Hong Kong, and also Charlotte Chan, who is uh, the website project coordinator of Cool Minds, which is a joint venture uh, between Mind Hong Kong and also the Kelly Support Group. Um, and we'd love for you to join us there. If you've got any thoughts or any comments on uh, mental health uh, and young people, feel free to comment and drop us an email. Uh, just before the news break, we were talking a little bit more about uh, Cool Minds, and we wanted to follow up w- with this uh, issue of, of stigma. You know, back when, when, when we were young people, Karen, mental health was absolutely sort of never discussed and not really at school we, we didn't talk about it at school did, did you never i mean it was really just um are you studying okay you know that was it you know what were your grades and if you weren't studying if you weren't getting good grades just work harder there was there was really no um accommodation and, yeah no no it was just sort of you just had to do your work and get on with it and and there wasn't really there was definitely i think even a lot more stigma for people who did have mental health issues because that's when you you people still used to call other people crazy you know or you know they're seeing a psychologist or a psychiatrist so there's something wrong with them there was it was always like really an illness a sickness that um, I, if you had it in your family, you, you didn't want anyone to know and you didn't want to talk about it. I think it, it was very hidden. It was very hidden. But yeah. now I feel like, you know, it's 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 good to talk about these things and they're more avenue. But having said that, does it actually make it easier for people to talk about it? You know, even with these avenues to, to discuss about mental health, are you finding your peers, did you find it easy to, to, to address these issues yourselves? I remember something that um, I experienced a lot in high school was fearing what other people would think um, in their minds, even if they didn't say anything that was particularly stigmatizing. And I remember um, when I was applying to universities and when I was looking for internships and all of these things, I remember thinking, if I talk about my mental health, will this limit my opportunities in the future? And it was because I think I didn't see enough um, people talk about their mental health struggles after they've recovered. So I didn't hear a lot about what kinds of things could people um, accomplish and lead normal lives, um, even if they have been struggling with a mental health issue. It was always seen as, or it was always framed as a very um, sensational or like severe kind of uh, Mm. issue. And then Charlotte, you you did take the year off. Did people ask you afterwards, like, what was you, what were you doing in your year off, or why did you take your year off, and how did you, how did you ex- express it, how did you explain it? Yeah, I remember there was a lot of like, so what kind of things did you do? So it was as if uh, recovering from mental health or like self care or um, boosting resilience wasn't like a, a thing. It was like <laughs> tangible thing that I would put on my CV or something. Um, so I, I did study abroad. I did. Um, I, st- I worked at mine, so I, I did say all of these things, but um, or it was also a lot of the responses I got were like, oh, so now you took a year off, so now you're like much better now. And and I think uh, people don't realize that mental health isn't... Ongoing process. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It's not yeah. one day, you know, you're better and all of yeah. a sudden it, it's gone. It's not like a, like a flu or a cold mm. that you just, you know, recover from and then, you know, it's gone. Yeah. And it's utterly normal, which is why we're talking about it on public radio. You know, we want people to sort of listen to this and think this is completely normal. We all have, you know, downtimes in our lives where we do face um, 
problems and, and anxiety. And, you know, some of us need that extra tender love and care mm. to, to recover. Yeah. Um, also, um, how about for you then, Nicole? Do, do you find that, that, you know, the stigma makes it hard for, for people to, to talk about these issues uh, from, from your school or people you've known? Yeah, definitely. I think... Um, a lot of youth these days are kind of hesitant to talk about it, whether it's with their parents who may be rooted in more traditional Chinese values and like see like mental health as kind of shameful and something that or should kind quote, of be avoided. Unquote, weak or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, don't exactly. cry or I don't know. I, you know, I, I've known parents who would who would use it. Don't don't feel sad. Yeah. It's okay. You know, as if right. that, that's magically going to make me feel better. Exactly. Don't feel I, like I think that. <laughs> lots of people are like, oh, if they open up about their depression, then other people will just be like, well, then why don't you just not be sad? But mm. I think what people need to understand is that sometimes it's out of your control and it's okay to get help which i think a lot of people um struggle with accepting and i think while there are better resources now especially with groups like cool minds or mind hk or kelly support group it is easier to find avenues of help but i think it's still hard for people to open up about this especially with their peers or within their school environment because you know they're afraid of how other people will see them or maybe they'll start to avoid them or tiptoe around them but that just goes to show why there needs to be even more dialogue, especially within uh, young people's environments and within school communities. I mean, I think the interesting thing for about young people as well is everybody lives online now. Everyone has an Instagram page. You, you don't, you guys don't use Facebook anymore, <laughs> but everyone has an Instagram page showing their wonderful life. And yet so many people are suffering at the same time, mm. not showing the bad times. You know, their social media is so highly edited, but it does lead other people to believe that, wow, she or he has this wonderful life. They're happy all the time. They go on these great trips and they go to these great restaurants. Um, I mean, how do you combat that? Because as much as it can be superficial, social media is extremely powerful in in sending messages to people. Mm -hmm. I think, well, at least as youth ambassadors, I think one of our main roles outside of the summit is to basically be advocates for mental health and to start conversations within our own communities. And I think one of the places where that can take place is on social media, because we have like such a wide audience that we can reach. And I think if one person starts talking about mental health, maybe reposting something even, then that just kind of draws attention to the issue. And not only that, but other people see that, you know, this is something important that needs to be talked about. And so I think social media, while it can be sometimes damaging to our self-esteem, it's also a very powerful tool to start advocating for mental health within our own communities and also normalizing it. Mm. And we also want um, you to join us on Facebook or you can uh, email us as well. The email address is 123show at rthk.hk or join us on Facebook, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3 as uh, Bright Spark HK has done. Um, and uh, Bright Spark HK says it would probably be more appropriate to teach the Education Bureau so they don't overcrowd school, the school curriculum, therefore less homework and family friction and better harmony and more communication. Parents cannot talk to psychologists uh, and they have to go through the social services. Uh, what about uh, Bright Sparks HK's point that, you know, perhaps uh, the curriculum and, and, and the, the homework can also be a cause of, of um, stress and also anxiety for, for many people? Serena? 
Yeah, I can definitely look at it from a very local context. Just as I mentioned, like parents sending their children to tutoring classes, if you don't go, then automatically you fall behind all of your other classmates. And so that in itself is very, very pressurizing for the children because their schedules are absolutely packed from a very, very young age. Um, there is another point that you could, I can add to it, which is special education needs students because they have been trying to integrate them into tra traditional schools and allow at the same time, special education needs students to integrate into it, but at the same time allow other students to learn from them. But it creates it because due to the lack of information that the students receive, it becomes a kind of burden for both sides. Students themselves, they do not have adequate knowledge to interact with this, these children and automatically they would regard them as someone who's weird, crazy, wacky, and they would isolate them. So that actually adds to the stigmatization of these children. At the same time, teachers would have to give them special attention, like perhaps give them more time during tests. And to other students, it would mean that, oh, this is unfair. This is why, why does this kid get extra time? So this actually makes the problem even worse. And the students, special education needs students themselves actually don't feel good about it at all. So it is something that perhaps could be fine tuned in the long run. And it is not necessarily a bad thing, but it is definitely something that should be worked on. Yeah, mm. and parents are probably overworked as well. You know, they don't have time to, to teach their kids um, homework as well. So it's sort of outsourced. You know, you're either at schools, which then the teachers are actually overburdened with other things. So who's teaching our children? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I feel like um, one point that gets missed a lot is that we are more productive when our mental health is good. And people always think it's like one or the other. You either focus on academics or you focus on your well-being. But both of them help each other. And I don't think someone can reach their full academic potential if their mental health is being neglected. Mm. Everybody's mental health, parents' mental health, teachers' yeah. mental health, and, and also the students as well. Oh, this is a good topic for, yeah. for <laughs> other shows too. Um, let's talk, uh, sorry, Serena, go on. Yeah, say. I'm a private tutor myself yeah. uh, as yes, well. Yes. So I teach at kindergarten to secondary school kids and a lot of times you see them so stressed from school. They'd be like, I'm so tired, I don't want to do this anymore. But then you still have to kind of like make them go through the entire process of like finishing their homework, getting the stuff for the next day done, for the next week, and parents not only want them to finish stuff at that moment, they want them to be years in advance because it's so competitive out there. You need to learn three instruments to be better than your peers, so it's very, very pressurizing for them. And I mean, what, what sometimes happens, which I, I've seen personally, is that very high achieving kids, they can hit all these milestones when they're very young, but at some point, they're going to crash, you know, and then they end up as young adults, you know, just opting out of the system completely, dropping out of college or not being able to get a job, basically locking themselves at home. So so people really have to look, I think, at a long-term view that whatever you are putting your kids through in childhood is going to affect them for the rest of their lives. You're peaking too soon. You've We've seen people... Yeah. people with that and also education and learning is lifelong as well you know isn't just a period of your life where you learn at school and then you wash your hands clean so it is really about um, creating the appetite and if you're sort of you know forcing children to to, to learn so much a uh, bright spark writes back again says I send my child to a public school I don't want to pay more money to tutors to keep up with everybody else this is also upsetting the student uh, education balance who is teaching the child the teacher the domestic helper the parents the tutor and uh, Chuck Wan says on Facebook introducing psychology in children so early at school may be too quick to task since children can exploit their privileges 
uh, to act as police over others, uh, other less informed students who may be very normal. And that thought comes from Chukwan. Let's talk a little bit more about your upcoming summit then. Um, how much can you share with us? It's coming up in November. Uh, are you still at the planning stages and, and what's to be expected and who's involved? Charlotte? So the summit will be the third day of the Hong Kong Mental Health Conference and we're following on the success of the 2017 Hong Kong Mental Health Conference. Um, so this year it will be a three-day event. The first day will be for healthcare professionals, the second day will be for educators, and the third day will be for young people themselves. So we're looking at local high school and university students um, and we're aiming to have around 300 students come and uh, it'll be a day full of interactive activities, talks and workshops where we focus on uh, all sorts of topics suggested by the youth ambassadors, but mostly on resilience um, and youth mental health in Hong Kong. Yeah. What What are some of the topics that have been suggested? So we've got a lot of suggestions on people sharing their personal mental health stories. So we'll have a panel discussion um, where we feature local students, parents and teachers. But we've also invited several international youth mental health advocates who've uh, done great things in different fields of mental health. So we've got someone sharing about their work uh, for eating disorders. And uh, we're also hoping to do stuff on suicide prevention. Um, and we hope that this will really inspire the audience and to let them know that uh, you don't have to have a psychology degree or a qualification to be able to make a change in your community in terms of how mental health is viewed or seen by your peers. Mm. So Nicole, what, what sort of activities are you focusing on for, for the summit? Mm. So I, the youth ambassadors are basically divided in several different ways. I think the first is by interest. So for example, I really like writing. So I'm on the content development team where I work on things like the booklet and also writing articles for Cool Minds in general. And Serena, I think you're on another team. Yeah. yeah. How many uh, youth ambassadors are there this year? 24. Oh, wow. yeah, that's yeah. a great team. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and how many different areas are there? So there's 24 of you, and how many different areas? You mentioned just now you're with writing, you're with communications. Mm -hmm. What are some of the other areas? We also have like a graphic Graphics. design team yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. and translation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys have actually planned pretty, I mean, <laughs> the planning, but actually taken a step into actually curating the, the event. Mm, and I think that's really important because yes. we want to make sure that the topics we cover during the summit are things that are problems that young people are actually facing and want to learn more about. Mm. For example, like sleep was suggested as a big one, um, mm -hmm. academic stress. Yeah, so yeah. these are all things that we'll cover. Well, one thing I'm conscious of is that we're all females here. Um, <laughs> but it's Girl power. Girl power, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was just curious, you know, in terms of your friends, your male friends and colleagues, for example, do you feel that there is a difference in, in the way both um, the young men um, experience mental health issues and also what they do about it. Is it actually more difficult for them maybe to seek help? Yeah, I do think so because at least in the communities that I've interacted with, I think toxic masculinity still plays a very big role. There's the, you know, kind of like the traditional expectation that, you know, men can't really show their feelings. They have to be strong. They have to be, you know, there for like um, the females who can like show their feelings more. And I think that's something that still isn't really adequately addressed and it really needs to be normalized as to how like men also have feelings we like charlotte talks about we all have mental health and we all have our weaknesses and it's okay 
to show them sometimes and seek help. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think it also, um, sometimes our language can be really stigmatizing. Mm -hmm. Like in pop culture, you hear a lot of phrases like, be a man, like, right. what man does that not, even look like, not, right? right? Yeah. Exactly. And I, especially even in Chinese culture, there's a huge emphasis on saving face. And a lot of people tell you to just swallow your feelings mm -hmm. and not show anything. Um, so that makes it really difficult for you to seek help because that would be showing your feelings and saying that maybe I'm not doing okay today. Um, so it's really difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I believe there is also a service gap in the community where there are not as many sources for the men to find an output. And there are not many organizations that are catered specifically to men. And so in addition to just now the phrase is man up. So there's not really an initiative to really cater the, to these mentalities. And from a very young age, like from gender socialization, from buying toys for their children, blue is for boys, pink is for girls, it's very deep-rooted and it's not something you can change in a day or two. It's not something that a workshop or two can really solve. Mm. Yeah. And it also, I think it has to do with the stereotypes. Mm. Like, people have these stereotypes that like, women are more emotional and, um, yeah, so then makes guys and men feel like they can't display the full range of emotions that they might be feeling. But I think what makes, what can help this issue is having more people share their stories. So in the summit, we'll also be having um, male young advocates come and talk about their mental health recovery journeys and their experiences. And I think that helps break these misconceptions and stereotypes. Um, and it also um, helps yeah, bring more awareness and understanding. Yeah, and also one of our workshop topics, actually, the same one that uh, mm -hmm. Serena and I are in, is actually on advocacy. So what can youth do today to kind of start dismantling that stigma around mental health? And then we also have other workshop themes like um, life in Hong Kong and the culture that kind of contributes to that stigma and also how we can build resilience within that structure. So mm. we really hope that through these different workshops that youth will get a better idea of what they can do to help. Yeah, I think that's that's really important because I, I believe that globally, um, if, if you talk about, say, for example, youth suicide, it's usually men who, who actually carry out um, acts of suicide. I mean, women may have the ideation, you know, they have the, the feeling, but they may not go through with it, whereas the men tend to actually go through with it. So it's definitely something I think is not not addressed enough. And men are their own worst enemies in a way because they, they don't want to talk about their feelings often or they don't feel like they can. Yeah. So it's good that you're addressing that. I was going to say, well, on this note, uh, let's also go through some avenues. You know, people are sort of feeling, you know, um, uh, facing mental health issues or, or feeling anxious or have anxiety. Where can they go to? Where's a good starting point? Are there any resources out yeah. there that people can, can go out and reach out to? Yeah, so I, I definitely think if it's an emergency, if you feel like someone is in grave danger, then you can always call 999. You can always go to the emergency room. Um, in terms of services specific to certain mental health conditions that you might be facing. Um, the Cool Minds website has a community, has a link to a community directory with the different organizations in Hong Kong, um, but also going to a trusted adult or uh, whether that's a teacher in your school, a counselor or your parents or um, a trusted friend, uh, it can really just help you share whatever is on your mind and hopefully they can be there to support you. But I think for professional organizations, you could definitely visit the website and uh, 
find a more specific list. Yeah, uh, Bright Spark Hong Kong writes back on, on Facebook and says, men are too busy working trying to keep the family above water so we don't have enough money or time uh, to go to psychologists um, to an extent. Uh, some women also have to work and, and keep the family above water too. That's why we're here. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's good to also break that uh, stigma um, as well. And, and also men also, I remember a, a really good friend of mine, um, Andrew, um, he, he was helping his dad move a, a piece of furniture. This is in Australia. And he said to him, he said, son, I'm so glad you're here to help me move the sofa. He was like, I don't have another friend I can just call to move this furniture, this piece of furniture. And it's true, you know, we look back at, at our lives and the friends that we can call upon. And, and I wonder how many men have that kind of friendship. Um, and yeah, perhaps it is because they are busy earning money, but it's also, they're, they're a bit different from women. Women like to get together and, and talk, but men don't really have that yeah. same um, c connection always. Or, the, or, they, or they don't really want to talk about their weaknesses. Um, it's harder, I think it's harder for them to talk about their weaknesses because they feel a lot more exposed. Yeah. yeah, and uh, where can we? F Sorry, go on. Oh, I was just gonna yes. say, I feel like there's mental health doesn't discriminate, and yes. in what one person appears to be like on the outside may not reflect their feelings on the inside. So going back to Serena's point about um, people constantly striving in schools and the academic pressures and, and achieving good grades, even if they might not be feeling that great and their mental health might not be the best, I think um, it's important to keep an open mind and not there, there aren't any stereotypics stereotypical signs um, of depression or anxiety so it could be someone who's doing really really well in their career or at school ones, yes. yeah. yeah so I think the same goes with um, men as well so just because they don't talk about their feelings doesn't mean that they don't exist yeah, yeah and I think it's important to recognize that this actually starts from a very young age like I went to uh, middle school in Taiwan and even in like sixth grade and seventh grade, kind of like a lack of sleep was like a competition. You know, it was like, no. oh, I got six hours of sleep last night. And then other people were like, you went to sleep last night? I pulled an all-nighter. Yeah. Oh, and then another thing was just kind of like peer pressure, like you had to have a tutor, like on several subjects as well. Even if you didn't need it, you constantly felt the pressure like, well, other people are getting this tutoring, then why am I not getting it? And so basically, everyone at that school went to the same like three or four tutors and you could see like 10 people in your class that were all there and so yeah it starts from a very young age I think this culture of you know having to exceed and also even now I think there's lots of honor streams there's like advanced track classes there's like college level AP classes and they're not supposed to be the norm but we've kind of made them the norm right, yeah. like they're not the normal classes like those are advanced college level classes but people take them anyways so i think there's just a lot of academic pressures that start from a very young age that need to be addressed yeah serena yeah similarly i think that in a from an international international perspective you have a lot of like other courses you could take but for hong kong locals they have that one exam that final public exam that determines whether or not they go into university. If they don't get into university, ultimately they'll be considered as a failure. They're very easily generalized. Um, but at the same time in schools, because I, just now I touched on helicopter and tiger parenting, right? So there, in my secondary school, there has been a lot of girls who are diagnosed with anorexia, nervosa, and bulimia. And they also have been girls who have been slitting their wrists because um, and s having self-harm behavior because this is the only way that they can gain a sense of control and autonomy over themselves. And so it is pretty sad to see it, but at the same time, it also 
really emphasizes the, the need that they need to put into recognizing their mental health needs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mahesh on Facebook says, wish there were men or boys to share their experience on, on your program. Thank you f f we'll for that comment. Yes, uh, yeah. we will bear that in mind and we'll try our best to, to, to get more men and, and boys on, on that. And uh, Brightspark HK writes back to say, most kids are going to home tutors because there's not enough time in the day to complete the curriculum. Going, put, going back to his point earlier, that you know that the, the curriculum is overflowing, and that actually teachers aren't having enough time to to teach it teach at to, school. Exactly, yeah, it's a bit crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I think basically, you know, one of the messages you want to get across is that treat your mental health like your physical health. You know, you sometimes you don't you have a stomach ache. That's okay. Or sometimes you break a leg. That's more serious. But to to not acknowledge it at all as as uh, important is is a big mistake so i think it's also quite significant that that was brought up because i think in our culture especially a lot of the times uh, anxiety or stress manifests itself very physically and people would talk about i've got a headache today or like i've got a stomach ache right before an exam but not link that to the other stressful events going on at the same time. Um, and in response to sharing male mental health stories, we actually do have a blog section on the Cool Minds website where we do invite young people to write articles and talk about their experiences. And you can do that anonymously. And we do we have had um, male writers send in their thoughts and experiences. Well, that's great. Well, I want to thank all of you for coming in today and sharing um, your experiences, your stories, and also uh, what's happening at the up upcoming Youth Summit. So good luck with that. And uh, thanks again for coming in today. And, so and we were speaking to Nicole Tan, who's a secondary school uh, student from HKIS, and Serena Lee, who's a fourth year student studying psychology at the University of Hong Kong, along with Charlotte Chan, who is the website uh, project coordinator of Cool Minds, which is a joint venture between uh, Mind Hong Kong and the Kelly Support Group. And also thank you very much indeed to you, Karen, you. and to all of our listeners uh, for, for joining us and, and for all your comments on the Facebook page. I'm sorry if we didn't get to, to some of them, but we will try and get... Uh, more male perspective next time. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. <laughs>